Hello, I'm Craig Esther. I'm Alexis Grace Clark. And I'm Mauricio Dominguez. And this is Building, Building a Stage, Stage Podcast. Podcast by Break the Chain Theater Company. Ooh, that's sexy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Building a Stage, the podcast from Break the Chain Theater Company about starting and running a theater company. We're so glad to be back here with you. It's been a little while since you've heard from us because we have been in the trenches. We have just finished the last performance not two hours ago of our first ever in-person producing of plays for anyone. We just finished the BTC One Act Play Festival. So today's episode is you listening to us having a meeting, minus some details, about how it went. So thanks for listening. I just want to start at the beginning of this and like the inception of the idea of like doing this festival. I know for me personally, I just wanted to be able to make cool stuff with our friends and to tell original stories from from Michigan artists. Um, For you guys, what was the thing that you were most excited about when we set out to do this? What I was most excited just to be able to to begin receiving the different plays from people and just what kind of stories they were gonna they were gonna share with us, and just beginning to navigate the process of once you select like the ones that were your favorites, like how do you begin bringing that that vision that work to to mm-hmm. to fruition? You know, to give it to bring it to the stage. So that was what I was most excited about. I think that the one act festival usually like the create a lot of good opportunities, especially for local playwrights mm-hmm. to be able to share their work and to see their work performed and produced. And so I was just excited for the opportunity to to see what what stories people wanted to share with us, you know, that they wanted us to take on the challenge of, of producing. Yeah, and one of the hard things just from, from the artistic director standpoint was that once you put out a call for the plays, which we did, what, two months ago now, something like that? like August. August 27th. Man. Yeah. It's been that much time. God, I was in a show while we were doing that. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah, no, dude, there's been not that much time from the time we put out the call for plays. So what and... you mean is that we're actually much more impressive than, than we're giving ourselves credit for. Let's or say idiotic. Or idiotic. <laughs> or idiotic. That's fair. We first announced the, the we were asking for submissions during intermission for 12th drink. Yes. That's right. It is. Because right. now that we're going back through this, I'm just thinking about the fact that like we put out that call for plays. And um, I'm being a playwright myself, I know how vulnerable it is to submit your work somewhere and to have it evaluated by people. Because, I mean, at least as an actor, like I, I get a chance to go into the room and I can sort of be charming and funny and, like, you know, play around with people and just get jobs off of maybe not being a jerk. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully. But as a playwright, you just send that play out and you don't get to talk about it. You don't get to pitch it. You don't get to do anything like that. People just read it. And you can probably tell within the first three, four pages yes. whether it is well-written or not. Yes. And whether it is appropriate for what we're doing or not. Because we read some works that like, I was interested in. I liked some of the ideas they were presenting. They weren't badly written. But for, for our purposes as a production, they, they just they just weren't going to work for what we had to do and the resources well, and that we had. Also keeping in mind our mission statement as well throughout the whole process. Because mm-hmm. we are still so new. So it's, it's not really for us to necessarily stray from it quite yet. Mm-hmm. At least in my opinion. So it's just like, okay. So yeah, we received some really good plays. But how does this fit in the message that we're trying to convey to our community? Mm-hmm. And no matter how good the play was, because I was I'm even thinking of a couple that were just like they were very, very good. And we almost chose them. 
but they didn't quite fit our mission statement. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, f- hilarious place. Yeah. And it just didn't work out. And it's no literally no one's fault. Yeah. And because I'm in the community of playwrights in this area and now more so in general, which is really weird to think I'm in a play I'm in a so this is not a brag, but this is I'm in a group that's playwrights of Facebook. And I didn't realize like Steve Natley Gurgis is in this group. And like all these other like New York playwrights are in this group and he'll be like, hey, this is advice about how you do blah, blah, blah. And people just comment on it. Like and um, I like I called him the greatest living playwright because I think he's the greatest living playwright. And he was like, yeah, thanks, bro. And I was like, that's you. And it was really him. So this is not me bragging because I had no idea when I joined this group because one of my college professors is in the group. But like being in that community of playwrights, that means that when I put out a thing for playwrights, I get a lot of feedback back that wouldn't that you wouldn't normally get. Some advice for you if you submit plays for any company is even if you're cool with the artistic director, don't email them. No. Don't ask them like, so what was it? Why didn't this work or that work? Because a lot of times, just like when actors go to auditions, it's not really about you. Mm-hmm. At that point, it's not about your level of skill. I mean, sometimes it is, but it's more so about what the company is trying to produce and what the work needs to be for that particular moment. So it's not like a personal indictment of who you are. Yeah. You know, and so it's I a had business to, choice. Yeah. It's not a personal choice. Yeah. And a lot of people, because the material is so personal in one way, shape, or form, that of course they get kind of, you know, personally attacked when you don't choose their piece. And it's just like, no, really, it has nothing to do with you. And it's, and I also think it's di- different than just asking for potentially uh, constructive criticism from somebody else. That, I mean, if like, you know, you're like real life friends with somebody. And it just didn't work out for whatever reason. I think, hey, can we grab coffee and just discuss this really quick? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just if you have any notes or anything that I can learn from. Mm -hmm. I think that's a different conversation versus, hey, why didn't you pick my play? Yeah, it's really just learning. It's that learning curve. Just like when we had our first auditions for things, Mm -hmm. what feels like way back when. Um, I have to be the one that sends out the rejections and have those difficult conversations with people. And uh, so I had to figure out how to, like, I ended up having to make sort of a form email and then adding personal specific things about each person because it's really hard. You don't want to break, you don't want to break people's hearts. You don't want people to, you know, to, to be unhappy. But at a certain point when, because, because this is a business, you got to do what you got to do. I finally understand the, something that multiple casting directors have said at auditions that I've gone to and often, you know, auditions that I was not cast in that the director said, like, thank you for making my job so difficult. Yes. I definitely understand that, especially, as you mentioned, the fact that we received so many plays from so many different playwrights from all over the spectrum, you know, um, and the fact that they're sharing a part of themselves, you know, the, that that went into to their work. It does feel difficult, you know, be, being in the director position or in the person that's reviewing the, the submissions to have to say, thank you so much for submitting. But unfortunately, we, we won't be we didn't select it for for the, the, the festival. But and it's unfortunately one of the things that just kind of comes with the territory, because yeah. unfortunately, we would love to produce every single play that was received. But there's budget <laughs> restrictions, time restrictions, yeah. you know, one of the things I, I will say, I think I appreciated from from this process was that. It pushed us into that role that mm-hmm. we had to, and I think it's something that you have to start learning to do because you're going to be doing it often. You know, it's just a part of the process. Like you can't yeah. cast everybody, you can't produce every single show. Yeah, and that's the thing that, like, if you are trying to make your own theater company, it's that this is a business first, and you can't be friends with everyone. Nope. And 
there's going to be some people, especially if you're, you know, say you're an established actor and you turn to doing a theater company or, you know, something like that, where you're already established in your community (laughs) to the extent where people know you, they expect you to be your friend. And those are more difficult conversations to have because everyone is putting their expectations on you and it doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. And you can try your best to be everyone's friend, but you're just going to go under. That's all that's going to happen. Yeah. And I think in addition to that, there are things that you can do on now the side of the table that is, you know, it's like you go from being the seller to the buyer, right? And as in that sort of buyer position, and I can't believe I'm using business terminology. There's some, there's some teacher somewhere that's like, he, he learned it. But when you, when you become the buyer in that situation, there are things that you can do to be courteous yes. and to give um, and to try to have good relationships with everybody. Of course. Because even though, even if you're, even if you are in the position where you have to reject somebody, there's still a way to treat them like a human being. 100%. So like every playwright that sent in a play got an email from me. Yes. That was like personally written by me. I know I did a form to like, I talked about doing like the form email to just, because the way to say that someone's rejected is very specific. And I think you have to be clear about it. Yes. But then the rest of it was just like, no, this was what I thought. I'm sorry that it didn't work out. But you have to you have to be personal like that with everybody because this business is about relationships. Yes. It's about fostering those because you never know you never know who's in your inbox. Never. You, you don't know what they're gonna who they're gonna grow up to be, what they're gonna do. That might be the person that writes the best thing you ever do. Mm-hmm. That might be the best actor that comes out of your theater company. I went to high school with and directed in her first production an actress named Shantae Adams. She was just in. Uh, she was just in a play on Broadway, starred in a movie with Michael B. Jordan, directed by Denzel Washington. And she also, what does she just do? I mean, she's just she's she's been the lead of Netflix movies. She's an amazing, amazing performer. And she only started doing it because she thought I'll be in a play, and I put her in a play, and we're like kind of cool now. Mm-hmm. You know, don't see her, or talk to her all the time, right. but like. But just from that, if I had been like, oh no, you don't have experience, and I'm just like rude to her. That could be like someone's whole amazing career yeah. gone, you know? So you have to, and again, I'm not giving myself credit for her career. Let me be very clear. She was going to do it anyway. Yeah. Like she didn't need me. Yeah. But the fact that like we're a place, we're a place that, that people can learn and grow and, and get better. So you have to treat everyone with that personal touch. So if you ever audition for us, you're going to get an email that's directly from me and you will hear back yes or no every single time. And I'm making that commitment right and now. And I think that's like something that, because we've experienced it where it's just like, you know, you go on copious amount of auditions and you literally just don't hear anything. So mm-hmm. it does get desensitized and dehumanized very quickly. But I mean, and that's something that I repeated as because I stage, stage managed the show mm-hmm. that we just did. And that's something that I kept repeating multiple times. It's just like, look, I really don't mean to be rude, but we are putting safety and health and mental health above everything else. Yeah. And I think that as a company, that's something that we are striving to do more so than a lot of other things that like as a business perspective, it's that, you know, these are the things that just cost our time, but it puts us, I, I don't want to say necessarily ahead as a business, but it keeps it, our bridges all open to everyone because we've been, all of us, all three of us have been treated without respect multiple times for multiple people in the industry. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a universal thing that anyone in the industry can say. And so we are striving very hard to not beat those people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, even if we this wasn't the right fit this one time, we want to make sure that we have that bridge open because it is all about connections. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that 
oh, just because it wasn't a fit this time, that doesn't mean that we don't want to work with you in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's taking the humanity back into everything when a lot of other companies have just kind of foregone it because it's easier. Yeah, What we are doing is harder, but I think it's better for us and it's better for the people who work with us. Yeah. And I will say that um, this is the, this way of treating people is not our is you know not our original idea, but we've learned it from some really good people yes. that we've all gotten to work with over the years. I can think of so many sort of different mentors that were, that were just like everybody's a person. Just remember that everybody's a person. But yeah, so that's the side of it. That's the beginning of the idea of saying that we wanted to do this festival. I want to talk about, and we don't have to get into details fully about this, but I think it's something important to talk about because we're talking about relationships. In that we had a location that we were going to use. Yes. And um, we had a good relationship with them. And unfortunately, we had to push the show back. And we had to cancel the show. Well, that's the thing is that we didn't, we had booked a place and we straight up couldn't do it. That's true. We needed more time for the plays. We needed more time for rehearsals. Mauricio ended up getting COVID the week, the original week that it was supposed to happen. And Craig was in a show. And Alexis cannot just run a show all by herself. So there was just, there was physically no way that we could have done the show on the original date with the original venue. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, that original venue wasn't available for a rebook. Mm-hmm. So then we had we made sure we secured Matrix. Yes. And that's actually how that happened. Mm-hmm. Because I do want to make sure that that is very transparent and the honest truth of what that situation was because the last venue is still not very happy with us. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that relationship is gone or not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a choice that is a really is a really hard choice we made. But you have to sometimes you got you got to weigh what's going to be healthy for everybody who's going to have to do the work and what's going to be overall better for what the experience is going to be. So like we hope that we can sort of repair that relationship, but, but unfortunately we had to sort of break it for this. With this being our first, especially if, since we made sure to mention it and highlight it, you know, during the during this weekend of performances, this was our first in person production. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we were kind of forced to make a decision in that moment of do we want to just push through with it because we want to do a show or do we want to make sure that we allocate the sufficient time and the resources and the the energy that the work that needs to go into it? You know, if this is our first ever show, we collectively agreed that it was better to postpone to reschedule so that we could put in the amount of time and effort and the resources that we needed to make it a very successful first show rather than let's just run with it and see what happens and do something that was not going to be a decent quality that was not going to be representative of what we want this theater company to be and unfortunately yeah that came with the the difficult decision of having to postpone the show and to unfortunately not not do it at this at this location that we had originally booked and it was a hard decision it was and we went back and forth yeah for so long and we were all like i just remember i just remember being like no we have to because like me personally i just hate when um we put things out there and we have to make changes because you just you want everything to come out fully formed and you want we're building a relationship with the community and one of the first things that will send people away from you is when you say something and it doesn't happen. Yeah. And so I was really, I mean, that's the thing I was really frustrated about as we talked oh. about it. And I mean, you remember, I was mad. No, you were totally <laughs> was mad. mad. And, it was, and it was like warranted, but let's face it, if we try to push through to October 8th, which was the original date of this show, mm-hmm. 
it wouldn't have been as successful as we, we had today. I wouldn't today. have been there. You wouldn't have been there. Maurizio wouldn't have been there. And straight, I can't run a show by myself. Yeah. It's really that easy. Yeah. And so, like, it was emotionally painful. Yeah. We're not patting ourselves on the back. No, what I mean, no. But, like, it's one of those moments where, like, again, the rubber meets the road. Mm-hmm. Where, as a company, we had to be like, okay, this is what we're doing. And the consequences of that decision are what they are. But we, we have to do what's best for us. Yeah, we really were backed into a corner. Like you guys said, it was either we push through and have really subpar work, which is that really what we want for our first show out in the world? No, it's I'm sorry, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Especially if we're interpreting plays that were submitted by other playwrights. You know, I think yes. that's something that having had the opportunity to direct one of the pieces for for the for the one act one of my main priorities is making sure that i was doing right by the author you know the playwright's right. work i don't know that it would have been the right thing or you know, the a good thing to ask people to submit all these you know these wonderful mm-hmm. pieces to us and then turn out something that is so par because then our integrity is in question yeah and you, and you end up sending the wrong message to people mm-hmm. like oh i trusted you i sent in my work and you did this with it you know mm-hmm. that's yeah and that was not that was not something that we wanted to 100 percent. and i will say i'm gonna say this out loud and the and the internet the listeners can hold us to this but in terms of like play submission and like sending us things to read as a producing entity, we're going to be looking for more things produced going mm-hmm. forward. So we will be creating an avenue in the next like few months or so to say, if you want to su- submit something to us, here's how you do it. Yeah. And it will be up on our website that you understand how to submit things to us. Doesn't mean it's going to get done, mm-hmm. but we want we want to have that open pipeline with, um, with, with our playwrights and with the people in our community that way. The other thing I wanted to talk about here, so once we get past the setting of we have the idea, we make the really hard choice about moving the date, we pick the plays. Let's just talk about like being in production on this thing and getting the directors, getting the actors, and just like the choices and ideas that went into that. Mauricio's taking a drink like, I'm ready. Let's do it. So I want to talk because you directed and you did a great job directing mm-hmm. Loretta's yes. Crematorium Hour. So I want to just hear about, By about your process. Drake. By P.S. Drake. By P.S. Drake. Yes. I want to hear about your process doing that. I feel like I was very fortunate. I feel like I, I, I got very lucky because we decided to each, you know, to divide up, you know, directing one of the plays mm-hmm. in one way so that we could, you know, kind of cut back on production costs as well. So, um, but also... I think it presented a good opportunity to kind of step into that step into that role and kind of learn the ropes. And so I think for me like that, I, I feel incredibly blessed and fortunate that I um, when I put out a call for that I was looking for actors. The two people who responded almost immediately were Dinah Tutain and our good friend Sage Robinson, a.k.a. Astoria Adams. Yes. They reached out almost within the first hour. That I had, you know, that I had posted, they they both reached out, and from there on, we you know kind of began having that conversation of explaining, hey, you know, this is the project that we have in mind. We are doing a series of like short one act plays, and um, this is the play that I'm directing. This is the 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 roles that we have, and explaining, you know, it's still, I mean, we're very much still a new developing theater company, so unfortunately, we don't have a, a large budget, but we can, you know, pay a small stipend for your time and your work. I wanted to make sure that th- that foundation was there first because yep. I wanted to make sure that it was very clear that, hey, this is what we are working with, you know, and, mm-hmm. and if this is acceptable to you, this is agreeable to you, then we would love to have you yeah. and just kind of building building from there. And I mean, 
They were both really excited by the the, the opportunity, the script. I mean, I think PS did a fantastic job of that. Fab. Yeah, lovely. writing that lovely. that play. So we just kind of took it, you know, took it from there. It was just the way that I approached it is first making sure that I just set up, hey, this is what we have, this is what we're doing, what we have to work with, and then just kind of working, beginning to work with their schedule to plan things, you know, for a virtual rehearsal. Mm. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more. One of the oh, things yes. that I, one of the things I was somewhat worried about was, you know, what was that transition going to look like moving from virtual rehearsals to in-person rehearsals? Because we understood that we, we weren't going to have access to the location for a long period of time. Yes. Um, so most of the rehearsals had to be virtual. But again, I think because the cast that reached out and that I selected was just so focused and so professional that they came here, they, they knew their lines, they were very flexible, you know, very patient, you know, as we were figuring out all the different things. And that transition was, it went way smoother, I think, than I, than I expected. Mm -hmm. Because we only had one day to be on the location to mm -hmm. to work out blocking and work out cues and sound and not just the actors in my cast but just all of the cast yes. overall. I think that we they deserve major props for their professionalism and their you know they knew to be focused. They were on their game. They were they took direction well. They knew okay we're going to do cue to cue. We're going to do this. They were on top of it and that that just made the process I think. A little bit less stressful and hectic. Yeah, and I will say just just watching you, just to comp, just, just a to compliment you, but b, well, no, yeah, yeah. What I was really impressed by about watching you work with them is that you, there were times where I could see that you wanted to tell them something specific, but you were still formulating it in your head, and they were figuring it out because you all had just like figured out that communication. And Mauricio, for you, was this your first time directing a play? Because you directed film. Have you directed a play before? No, this was my first time directing That's what I thought. Shut up. That's what I thought. This is my first time directing a play. Shut yeah. up. I'm dead serious. Oh my God, I had no idea. But the thing about it was that one of the really good qualities that you have that I really like want to encourage, because I think you should direct more, is this idea that even though you might not have had like all the terminology to say like what you wanted in that moment, you knew very clearly what you wanted. And so the actors could connect to that and figure out what they needed to do and I think just the more that you get in that room and do it I think you're just going to get better and better and better and it was just it was really cool to watch you be so specific in, um, in working with Alexis as, you, as we're developing the lighting and the sounds and all of that it was just it was really great to watch you do that thank you no and I feel like this is one of the reasons why going back to when we first began discussing you know the starting our own theater company one of the reasons why I was very excited about it was precisely for that same opportunity mm -hmm. you know to to be able to take more of an active role in, in the production mm -hmm. of it. Because that's ultimately the goal that I, I feel like I, I've been fortunate enough to work both on stage and now more behind the scenes. I think I'm starting to realize that I enjoy being in the production part of it, like being able to like make the decisions and guide what we want to present and how we want to present it, I think is what I what I enjoy the more. And so I, I, I'm just very grateful to have the opportunity to do this mm -hmm. through through break the chain yeah and what about i mean i'm you know i'm curious because you yeah you had a totally yeah, different situation i feel like every director had their own experience and their own yeah. sets of challenges to, yeah. to work with but i feel like a lot was on your plate because not only were you managing overall the entire production but you were directing and also doing writing for the rnj project which is our next production so i, I want to hear you know how was your experience like i'm really proud of the way it came out i think i learned a lot about being in that managerial position in terms of saying no i really have to do that and say 
no, no, you do that. I'm not, I'm not touching that. I don't mm-hmm. know what that is. Do you, you, you go, I trust you. In terms of, there's a lot of phases of it, so I'm gonna try to distill it down so that we're not here for 10 hours. One of the things I wanna get better at is the, is, is the conflict situations mm-hmm. because there's a lot of conversations, even conversations you guys didn't see, difficult conversations that I had to have with people about like, no, we can't do that. Mm. Or like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> or just like, you have to come to rehearsal. I don't know what else to tell you. You got to come to rehearsal. Um, you would think you would hope you didn't have to have that conversation. You know, but here we are. Here we are. You know, you have to come on time. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh yes. Or tell me about what's going on. Because um, I just had to, one thing I had to realize was that if I don't solve this thing right now, in three weeks, it's going to be a problem and we're going to be in the space and we're going to have an issue, you know? So doing things like um, just talking to each director and be like, but are you really ready? <laughs> like, you know, uh, having to have the conversation of, God, what was it? Oh yeah. Just when I said to all the directors, you know, you, you get a lights up and a lights down and you know, let me know if you have a sound effect or you need anything. And then having people send me some things that were very ambitious yeah, and being like, Listen, uh-uh, we ain't got it. <laughs> like, we will do our best to make that happen. So, one of the things I want to do for the next time we do this, because I think we should do this again, mm-hmm. but we no, haven't yeah. really fully had that conversation yet. I think we should do this again because I think we can do it bigger and better. Mm-hmm. Is um, we should, we should, as we put out things for directors, say you get a lights up, you get a lights down, and you get like, you know. You get maybe one special sound effect or one like give like more specific strictures for mm-hmm. what they for what they get to have so that we can better prepare for it because that that was really difficult to do. The other thing was just finding people. And that's the other thing too, is I think that like the ambitiousness of the other directors made the shows better. Yes. I do think that that is a true thing. But in saying that, that means then we should probably splurge and get an actual lighting designer on the project earlier. Mm -hmm. So that way it's not a big deal if they want more than just a lights up or lights down. And if we could get a sound designer slash get an updated QLab system, Mm -hmm. then I think that's a holy, I think that would bring us to another level. Yes. And I think it's just, those are things that we didn't necessarily think of because we thought we could do it on our own and nothing wrong. We did it. Yeah, we did. Things were accomplished and it was very good. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, hindsight now this these are two things that we cannot do without and we know that about ourselves now do not hire craig to be your lighting designer i just Mm -hmm. want to say up front do not hire craig to be your lighting or sound designer i that's not that's not my ministry i don't do that like (laughs) we're we're all very good at a lot of different things but you know sound designers we are not no lighting designers we We can say what looks kind of cool but uh all light boards are different and we need someone who specializes in them I will say that one of the things that I did learn a lot about this light board and the lighting system in the theater, um, I work at Matrix Theater, and that's one of the reasons we were able to foster like a nice partnership uh, to be able to do the show here. So I luckily, because this was an event on Matrix's calendar, I got to be able to spend hours of my work day actually coming down, going downstairs. You all can't see it. It's downstairs at the offices, the <laughs> theater. And going, I got to go into the theater and just be like, guys, I'm working on the, I'm working on the board. I'm working on the lights. I'm working on the sound. And so I got to learn a lot, which I'm really happy about because there are things I should know. But um, we just, people are good at things and the people who are good at those things should do those things. <laughs> and, exactly. Yeah. Like there are technical degrees for a reason. Yep. And 
we it was one of those things where it, it was a time crunch so we just didn't have the time to really think about that right mm-hmm. correctly um and now we know uh, yeah it's immediate lesson learned it's an immediate lesson learned the other thing you have to think about when you're doing something like this is the is that you want to give people space to create the things they want to create but you know that there's a standard that has to be hit. Yes. And I'm not saying, and I'm not, I'm not speaking ill of anybody that worked on the productions oh, no, this, this has time. Nothing to do with our we, current production that we just did. Yeah, because I mean, everybody showed up and did a great job and yes. really like really put the work in. But you know, I just want to have a, more of a hand in the rehearsal processes for the shows. Not telling the directors what to do, but making sure that I'm observing things before they get to the stage. Mm-hmm. That I'm being able to be a little bit more in the rehearsal process so that we can solve a lot of those problems before we get to like before we got to like our tech that we yeah, had on Friday. Tech. Which was like we had to we could we did like seventy five percent tech, yeah. you know, where we had our lights we had our lights, our sounds weren't quite there yet. And we had one show that had to delay their tech to a different day. So we gotta also think of just about scheduling when we hire people again is just making sure that we actually get in there and do and do what everything we need to do to make sure that those schedules oh, you line mean, up. Like actually saying when the dates are for rehearsals in your casting notices? That's also true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, bizarre. Yeah. Okay. So, no, because I got to talk. I'm going to let you talk. I'm going to let you finish. But I got to. <laughs> but we have not to talk. The, not the right phrase to start that part of the conversation. Yeah. I'm not endorsing the person whose quote that is. But we'll talk about the shade. So, again, in the spirit of being in a learning process. Yes. When you do casting notices, I think. All of us, and me in particular, we're just very used to like, we're very used to working in this way. That's like you just call your friends and you do a thing. Mm-hmm. But when you're a company, you can't do it, and you're being professional, you have to be very clear on all of your public communications about everything across the board. So for me, I'm used to going, "Hey guys, I wrote a play. Who wants to read it?" And then we read it, and we might read it for other people, and then that's it. And it's very informal. And with this festival, I tried to start it with that idea of like, this is a fun, informal thing. Like, it's not going to be a high stress thing. It's not going to be a, it's supposed to be a very chill thing. And the closer we get to it, we kind of looked at each other and went, it's a production. It's not a chill thing. It's the opening of our first season. It's not a chill thing. And so the thing that happened was that like, (laughs) we were putting out casting notices or I was putting out casting notices. You know, you both did it. And, yeah, I did too. But putting it out in that informal way of like, hey, I, I need two actors to do this. Message me for details. That kind of thing. And we're not those people anymore. We're a company. Right? So what really needs to happen is that, because maybe we have auditions for something coming up, is that we need to, and we're going to do this later, it's fine, yeah. sit down and go, here are the roles. Here's what we need for the roles. Here's what the play requires. And we put all of that into the casting notice. Here's how much you're going to get paid. All of that in that in the casting notice so that when we're hiring people, we're not then going, I really want this person. And now I have to make all these different concessions to have this person I want when really this person can't meet some of the can't meet some of the dates and some of those things like that. And I'm bending over backwards um, because that's just not it's not a fair position to put the company mm-hmm. in. And I feel it's so important to, as we learn, to make sure that you kind of lay the foundation, the, the expectations clearly out, you know, from the beginning is if you approach something from like this very like loose, hey, we're going to do a chill thing and you can be a part of it. Then that also makes it harder to be able to demand or to, you know, to 
to try to set those expectations later because the person that came in just approached it from yeah. a, oh well you know you said you needed an actor to do something i didn't realize you didn't mention there was going to be this many rehearsals or you didn't right. mention there was going to be exactly. all this yeah and i did the same thing the cast notice i sent out it was very loose like hey i'm looking for two female presenting artists for a one act play and Alexis was so kind enough to come in and just add some additional detail. Like, yes, kind. That's the word. <laughs> I was kind on the social media. And I chewed you out later. Right. But no, and, and I mean, it's something that we needed to hear because as you pointed out on those, those same notices, like there's also rehearsal time included. We need, we're going to need to rehearse this. There's a tech rehearsal included, you know, that set the expectations up front early yeah. so that the actors, the people you're working with know what they're getting into, what what will be expected from them. And that just yeah. saves you having to deal with some of the com- more, more mm-hmm. conflict down the road. Yeah, because I've also been on the opposite side of that where it's I was told on shows, oh, yeah, it's going to be two to three rehearsals max. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be doing a whole lot. It's not a big deal. And then I'm called every single day for rehearsals mm-hmm. that I was told weren't going to happen then ends up being choreography that I was told was not going to happen. And or and then I was technically it was also supposed to be in collaboration with three other artists. And then it turned into just a standard dictatorship directorship. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like that whole process was enough for me to not work at that company again. So it's something that I'm super sensitive about because of the fact that I've been burned so hard by a company that I thought had my best interest at heart and it and it didn't and that like it didn't have to I didn't it it didn't need to but I thought it did and I was just naive about it Mm -hmm. so that's why I'm super sensitive to be like no we have to actually say what exactly we want and then we have to stick with it if we need more rehearsals because something happened uh actor dropped new actor comes in whatever it might be then that's something slightly different. That's an emergency situation. Mm -hmm. But having those extreme, like the most correct and up-to-date information up front is how a business is run. Yeah. And the thing I would say also, if you're on the non-producing side of this, if you're you're an an artist that's out there and companies are doing hiring like this, I just want to say, remember, we made this mistake and we're nice people. Yeah. We're well-intentioned people. Yeah. And so just because just because I have to, I have to say this to younger actors all the time, you when you agree to take a job with somebody, you're choosing to go under those strictures. You're, you're choosing to be within the confines of that situation. If those confines change, if somebody does something different than what they said they were going to do, if they didn't give you all the details, you have the right to walk. Leave. Do not stay anywhere that does not value your time your work or value and not say that we were devaluing people, but that's a thing that I just want to, I want to put out there so that if you're a company and you say, this is what we're doing, that has to be what you're doing, right? That has to be what you're doing because if it's not all those artists, they have the right to go, mm-hmm. you know? And so we didn't have any like crazy things happen no, no, for no, no, us no. on this, but it's a thing that we just learned is that we got to be clear about our word all the way through to the end of the production. Even when it comes down to something like, when are you going to get paid? Right. Everybody got paid. Everybody got paid today, you know, and um, yeah, so we so we stuck to that, which means that those people go out into the world and someone asks them, what's it like to work at Break the Chain? Number one thing actors say, 
I got paid on time. Which is a real thing in the Michigan theater community. Can we just like actually mention like that's a thing. Especially when you're coming up um, and you're working with, which is a thing you should do, but you have to also know when to stop is when you're working with smaller theaters that, um, that can only maybe afford so much and so on, you know, (laughs) there's a, there's a time to do that. And there's a time to be like, okay, you know what? I can't handle the, I don't know when I'm going to get paid or you told me I was going to get paid and I didn't get paid or anything like that. You know, cause again, that's your time. That's your energy. That's your gas. Because mm-hmm. gas in prices are going up. economy. We're in Michigan where you're probably driving in the snow sometimes to get to shows and get to places. Oh, yeah. You're literally putting your life on the line to you get know. to rehearsal. Like, yeah. Not to be dramatic, but especially in Michigan winters, it's actually very real. Oh, I've gotten, I got four, three flat tires at one time going to do a show for a company and um, they were paying me and it was one of those. It was, it was, it was nice, but I had to like switch cars and my dad came and got my car and I had to drive the rest of the way to get to do the gig. Um, it was nuts. It was just like, cause it's, there are things that you can't, you can't predict. You can't predict that, you know, 75 is going to have like 30 potholes in it. Yeah. Well, and that's something that I've been telling the actors this whole weekend is that, you know, you have to be, you know, the, the phrase of the show must go on, right? Everyone's heard it. Everyone knows it. And especially when you're younger, and I think it's kind of pounded into you mm-hmm. by older people that it's just like, are you sick? Okay, throw up on the side and come back on stage. You, you got a rash? <laughs> go get a shot. Come back and get on stage. At least that's what it was for me at university. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, we had somebody who had to get, like, an adrenaline shot to mm-hmm. go on stage because they didn't have an understudy. And mm-hmm. it was a performance. And so, like, that's the high stakes that these young people are put into at very, very early, like sometimes into high school, mm. definitely into college. Mm. And so something that I keep telling people is that it's like, no, we're not doing that here. Mm-hmm. The show. Mm-hmm. This is about your health and your your mental and your physical health. Yeah. And we're prioritizing that. Yeah. And that's a totally new mindset that a lot of people are not ready to have. Yeah. To be quite frank. Mm-hmm. But again, as somebody who has been abused by the system of the theater community as it was and taking advantage of students straight out of college, I refuse to do it. Yeah. We're not going to do that here. Yeah. Everyone is going to be treated with respect and their health is going to be taken into consideration. And if that means recasting sometimes, that means recasting sometimes. Mm-hmm. But if it's better for you in the long run, we're going to do it. One of the things I just wanted to point out because I, I it, it, to me it stood out really as a, as a kind of a, a pivotal moment of this whole weekend having done theater a few times you come to expect that there will be unexpected challenges yes. and there will be there will be things that Especially will come the time up of COVID. yeah and there will be things that will come up you know as we saw this weekend that we're trying to do tech and we're having some issues with the light board or the computer it's more outdated than we'd like it to be and it's taking a really long time to do mm-hmm. things one of the things that really stood out for me is alexis the way that you handled the q to q what I really appreciated about it is that you were very clear in your, you know, your direction. You told, you, you instructed the cast, hey, I apologize in advance if it comes across as rude, but we are on a time crunch. And so I have to take the lead here and make sure that we are moving things along because we have a limited amount of time and we need to get through all of the cues and make sure everyone has what they need. And then I, th- I believe it was Aurora who mm-hmm. said, oh, you're good. You're like the nicest stage manager I've ever had. I understand, you know, the place where, you, where you're coming from because I think that's one thing that I, I also need to to work on and improve, you know, the, this idea that, as you said, you can't 
always be friends with everybody. Right. There are sometimes, especially, I feel like the balancing point with this whole idea of the show must go on. I feel like we've been misinterpreting it for too long as you have to do whatever it takes, even if it puts putting your life in danger yes. for the sake of the show. Yes. And I, I think what it, what that means is more like what you demonstrated, where it's more of right now we're in a time crunch, so everybody needs to be focused. I'm not going to be able to be as friendly right now. So I have to kind of take the reins a little bit and direct things and move people to certain locations. But I'm still doing it, treating people with respect, mm -hmm. you know, treating people as human beings. But unfortunately, I can't be the director or I can't be the stage manager and also be everybody's friend at the same right. time. I feel like that's more of what that means. It's yeah. more like this is a work relationship at the end of the day. And so sometimes we have to set aside, you know, perhaps our personal relationship as friends and step more into this is a job that needs to get done. So I need everybody to be focused to make sure that we, we, mm -hmm. we get done what we need to get done. I feel like that's more what that should be. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I would just, just adding, just adding to that. Um, and for anybody who's listening who doesn't know, but you're listening to this podcast, so she, you should probably know what a Q to Q is. Yeah. So if you don't know, a Q to Q is when um, this was when the stage manager were gathering everyone together in tech. And if you have any lighting cues, sound cues, anything anything that needs to go into the show technically, that's the time where we get the actors on stage and we literally practice. This light goes here. This sound goes here. This thing happens there, and we just have to go one by one by one. And when you're doing it for really five shows, not four. Yeah, it was five. <laughs> when you're doing it for five shows at one time, it's really, really difficult to do that. So it takes a lot of focus and a lot of attention. And the thing that you were talking about that I just want to highlight was just like a really good interaction we had was with uh, with uh, Courtney and Danielle working on Choose Your Own Adventure by Chrissy Becker. Choose Your Own Adventure is a play that was the most techno technologically mm -hmm. difficult of all the plays because it's like one actor on stage, one actor's off stage talking. Danielle's directing the play and ended up acting in it as well. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of different choices that had to be made. And one of the great things that, you know, I'm very, we're very good friends with both of them, hang out with them, go to their houses. It's their nice yeah. people. Uh, but when we are in the room here, they just did a great job of when we said, okay, we can't do that. What's the compromise? They were very good at being like, okay, you're in charge. What? Okay. What, what do we do? Mm -hmm. And that was just a really nice, just a thing to highlight there. And that happened mostly with everybody. Yeah. Just be like, hey, look, I can't, I can't make that explosion happen. <laughs> so I need you to tell me what else we can do or I'll come up with something. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, a, that's an essential part of being in charge and treating everyone like humans, but understanding that like there's a hierarchy here and I just have to make a decision now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing I just want to talk about um, as we sort of get closer to the end of this, I just want to talk about then getting into the space with the audience coming to see the show and what our different roles were interacting with uh, with audience, whether it's like on social media before they got here, how we worked with them in the building and how we interacted with them in the building. Can we just talk about some experiences from the from the weekend doing that? I mean, sure. Um, you don't have to talk about the ones that I think you're thinking of no. if you don't want to talk about. <laughs> well, this, there was actually something that happened too uh, while uh, R&J was happening. Yes. Uh, a woman came in asking for tickets because she thought the show was at 3. Granted, she walked in at like 3.20, 3.15. So she was still late. So she was still late. Okay. And they, they, apparently she just tried to give Danielle money and they, they were like, oh, get Alexis, get Alexis. But like they were like, she's reading right now. 
mm-hmm. can't do anything. So I accidentally bit Tim's head off because I thought they were just talking in the lobby. Mm-hmm. And I, I apologized. I was like, I am so sorry mm-hmm. afterwards because I was just like, I didn't understand the situation. Mm-hmm. And all I know is they were being too loud and I couldn't hear you guys mm-hmm. on stage. So I freaked out. But anyway, so random people coming in. We have to lock the doors. Learn yeah. that. I mean, social media wise is that we try to be as transparent as possible with everything. Uh, we still are requiring masks for our shows for the safety of our cast and crew, um, especially like we just had a COVID outbreak in Detroit last weekend. It's yep. pretty huge. It's pretty big. So it was dealing with those people who didn't want to wear a mask, didn't yeah. bring a mask. And even somebody was like, well, I read the post, but I thought it was just suggested when it says in big, bold letters, masks are required and we also learned i mean again about being very careful with the communication Mm -hmm. every communication we send out as because i think in this case there was we we put masks are required on everything except for one post and of course that's the post that a couple of people read and they assumed it to mean it didn't mention masks so i'm 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 good Mm -hmm. to not wear a mask Mm -hmm. these are the things that you take to learn from Mm -hmm. being a relatively new theater company and things that uh, a relatively new business that things that initially you may not think about is okay well now we know that whether we like it or not you know especially since we're the ones who have this requirement we have to make sure that we communicate it to everybody everywhere we post because if you forget to put it on one post, somebody's going to read it and they're going to assume that. And I think you can wrap that all up with like the logistics of actually having an in-person show. You know, yes, we had the drag show, but that was a very niche audience. I'm finding that like, yeah, they were prepared to have masks because that's what the drag community had been doing at that mm-hmm. time. And we really didn't get thought on that at all. But I think it's just one of those logistical things of doing an in-person show that we haven't really had to worry about thus far doing mostly Zoom shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and so the one thing I want to just kind of to wrap up the weekend, um, I just want to just talk about favorite moments, favorite um, memories, favorite things about, about this process before we talk about the last thing thing before we go. Something that I noticed is, you know, with, with all of the preparation that we did and, you know, we, we got through tech and then we were troubleshooting the day off and even the day of the you know the first show that we were still troubleshooting a few issues before before going live and so i think as a director like you just start kind of not not necessarily doubting but maybe fretting or worrying about like oh my gosh i hope this goes right i hope this goes and what i found myself at one point was it was saturday night you were doing the craig was doing the curtain speech for the audience and i was backstage with Dinah and with Sage, and we were carrying the, the body prop that we bring on for Loretta's crematorium. And at that point, I just remember, like, I was feeling, I remember feeling very nervous. And there was almost like a part of me that kicked in that was just like, why am I nervous? I'm not acting. <laughs> like, yes, 100%. And I think for me, it was just, especially after all of the work that went into sitting back and just seeing the actors bring these, these plays to life and the way that even when, as a director, you notice certain things that happen. It's like, oh, that just happened, but they managed it perfectly well. Mm-hmm. Like I, for me, it was kind of like that moment of seeing they got this, mm-hmm. they got this. I my part is done. This is all their work now, and they're doing a beautiful job of it. That was just a wonderful feeling, just realizing, oh, we have a show. They got this. They're ready. Yeah, I once had a professor say that if you're not nervous, you don't care enough. So it's just, I think that, and I think that is true for like a lot of instances where it's just like, you should be a little nervous no matter what, because for you, it's a personal stakes are high situation 
where it's just like, I want this to be good. I want them to do good. I want, you know, we want to make some money, you know, and it gets really. And we did. Let's, and we for did. the record, we did. We did. <laughs> but, that, but it's all those unknowns before they step on the stage and while they're on stage that you're just like, even as someone where you're just like, I can't do anything about this now. It's, it's I think the nervousness is still good because it means you still care. Yeah. So the last thing we did was we announced a show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As of this coming Tuesday, BTC is going to be one year old. And the first event of BTC's second year is going to be this this new play that we're working on called The R&J Project, which Craig is going to finish writing this week. Um, it's going to go up in fe- in February. We got to share some of it um, with the audience. I might have almost cried during it today. It's fine. Yes, because, and I, okay, I'll give you this little backstage secret. So one of the characters in the play was my first acting teacher. You don't say. He didn't teach Shakespeare or anything. At the, like my church didn't do Shakespeare plays, but they did. They did lots of plays, and um, and so yeah, he was the first one that like got me on this path, and um, so so I he he write about him. His name is literally in the play. I just don't use his last name, and um, and he did pass away. Mm, I figured. And so like my parents were in the first row, so and they knew him, so they knew that. Mm. And um, some of those like jokes, some of those jokes like are heightened versions of like arguments with my mom. So she's sitting there. Oh, I love it. Oh, and, my God. Um, and I was like, I didn't think about this. And she's right there. And we had this conversation when I was a kid. Not to that extent. It didn't like go that far because you have to heighten it. But um, the play is about young people doing Shakespeare in a church basement. And um, so it's based on a lot of just my stuff growing up. And so it's really vulnerable and you don't think about how vulnerable it is until you're out there and you're like, oh, oh shit, this is my life that's in front of everybody. Um, But I'm really excited for us Mm -hmm. to do it and have it go up and have auditions coming up because Craig's going to finish the damn play this week. And we'll have combat. And we'll have combat. And we'll have intimacy. Intimacy. To make sure everyone stays safe. A spoken word. We're going to have like, it's just going to be, it's going to be wild. Um, So please, please come out for that. We're going to have a more in-depth conversation about like our year anniversary and what that means later and what we're excited about for the future. I would say the one thing, you know, be on the lookout on social media for more information about the R&J project because that will be the next thing that we are switching gears. That's the other thing that we've kind of learned, you know, just in in a built, working in a theater um, company like you do have to plan ahead uh-huh. that's one of the things that I'm, I'm i think is very important that we learned and that we figured out quickly is that we got our first live performance done we are gonna you know take a couple of days to kind of decompress and unwind a little bit one day one day 24 hours i'm writing tonight i don't know what you're talking <laughs> about and so you gotta switch gears and you have to move into moving into the next one so be on the lookout for more information coming very soon for the RNJ project. Looking, look forward for audition notices and how you can audition, where you can audition. I will have all that information coming out to you, everybody, in the next couple of days. Thank you so much. We have built stage. Peace. Peace.